there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio, Wolfgang Klein, your host, a show about money. Uh, we got Michael Graham on the line. Uh, Jack and I just uh, had the privilege of... Uh, a presentation uh, about blockchain and cryptocurrencies with Michael Graham. Of course, I've been uh, yakking on the radio for the last week about how it's all about cannabis. Uh, last year was all about cryptocurrency. Uh, but a little uh, post-mortem, I'm going to say, on cryptocurrency uh, with Michael Graham. So, Michael, uh, amazing. You know, last year in Toronto, on, on local radio stations, as they were doing their business reports, you get gold, you get the Canadian dollar, and Bitcoin closed at $19,800, just shy of $20,000. Uh, but that was last year. And the fact that it made it on the radio, I said, oh, this is getting near it. And, but our, our, our phones were ringing last year for crypto exposure. Very, very difficult to offer to retail. Um, and as such, you'd follow those television ads. And uh, there were some funny television ads about some spooky deep web uh, gangsters trying to rip you off. And there's a lot of fraud going on in this space as well. But uh, So give, give us an update. Where, where do we stand with crypto? Does it matter? Why does it matter? Is anyone using it? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, thanks, Wolfgang. I mean, you, you really, when you're thinking about the crypto world, I think it's important to divide it into every, you know, Bitcoin and then everything else. Um, Bitcoin is the one uh, crypto asset or digital asset that has developed a use case, and uh, the use case is as a as a form of money or as a store of value. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is like if you look back at the history of money, you've had a lot of different forms of money over the years. Uh, cowrie shells have been in use for over 10,000 years and are still in use today. I'm sorry, what did you say? Seashells, cowrie shells. Seashells? Yes. And they're still used as a medium of exchange at the moment? In, in some remote uh, locations, they're still used as, a, as the primary currency. All right. Isn't that, you know, I'm going to say, interject you, you know, my honeymoon, I went to Jamaica and I went to the beach for first, first dip in the beach. And there was a Jamaican, he swam towards me and trying to get my attention with this seashell. He really was, he was trying to lure my attention with the seashell. Uh, you know what, is, what he really was trying to do? Sell me cannabis. I kid you not. I digress, my good friend. So they, they use them in Jamaica when I guess I can buy into it. Uh, all right. So we went from seashells to what? Yeah. And we went through rice in Japan and now we, you know, we've had gold for a long time. And the really interesting thing about gold is that the vast majority of uh, gold is not used for any purpose like industry or electronics. It's it's simply a store of value. And now that you know it's off of um, you know there aren't any more major currencies on the gold standard. The price of gold is really just um, whatever you know the market thinks it is, and um, it's a function of memory, right? The market remembers that gold has been worth you know multiple hundreds and thousands of dollars an ounce for a long time, and um, and so it just kind of stays with that. And that's very similar to what's going on with Bitcoin today. Um, you know, Bitcoin um, is in this mode where it started out, you know, trying to be used as a payments mechanism, um, like you would use a credit card or like you might use your PayPal account. Um, but what quickly happened is the Bitcoin network got really slow and also was expensive to uh, verify transactions. And so we saw a behavior in the payment side moving away from Bitcoin. But what we did start to see is that Bitcoin was being used more and more as a reliable store of value. We did some overlays where we looked at Bitcoin transaction volumes in countries like Venezuela and Argentina where you've had hyperinflation. And when that hyperinflation um, really gets going, we see increased levels of Bitcoin transaction volume, you know, which implies to us that 
these citizens in some of these hyperinflation economies are are um, are using Bitcoin, you know, as a store of value that's more reliable than their than their regular fiat. You know, that's funny you mentioned that point because we just came through a European crisis. It's funny we have a race car driver in here, and she's of Greek descent, uh, Demi Chalkas, and she's going to be joining us later on the show. But uh, the drachma, bye bye. The German Reichmark, bye bye. So I wonder if, if you know if Bitcoin were around when those currencies went by the way the dodo bird, if in fact. Locals would have done just that, convert from the drachma, convert from the right. Well, it's one of the Bitcoin. big benefits of Bitcoin and crypto is that there is a controlled amount um, of supply, right? Governments can't print money. They can't print Bitcoin. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, so speak to that for us, Michael, please. Um, there's an algorithm, I guess, with under under crypto or under Bitcoin, which is what made it so attractive with a, fi- a finite amount of coins available to be minted, at which point they're going to start with splitting them off. Well, yeah, so there, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins mined, um, and that's written into the algorithm, so we know that. And to Jack's point earlier, you definitely have this problem with fiat currencies where central banks use these fiat currencies as a monetary policy tool, and therefore the supply is very difficult to predict. You know, it's hard enough to predict the demand uh, for something, but when you cannot predict the supply reliably, then it becomes hard to kind of peg a reliable value on it. And that's one, you know, great thing about gold. There's, uh, you know, a relatively fixed supply, but there's a definite fixed supply for Bitcoin. You know, it's amazing because you're an American and you just came out of the greatest printing exercise in history, my good friend, with quantitative easing. Uh, how, how big was that balance sheet? It was a foot, three, four, five trillion dollars uh, printed. And that, again, I think spurred the Bitcoin craze on as well because people were very, very concerned about the U.S. buck. Guess what? The U.S. buck reigns supremacy. I, I get it. I love the U.S. dollar. and It, it, it certainly has held its... Uh, position. Uh, there is a life cycle, though, for every currency. So we'll see how long that reigns supreme, right? Yeah, not in our lifetime. In, in our lifetime, well, you're, 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 young, okay. you're a young lad. Old guys like me, my God, the US dollar will reign supreme for my lifetime. <laughs> so who cares about anything after that, eh? Um, look, Michael, we're going to pay some bills around here, but uh, we're going to get right back with Michael Graham. We're talking cryptocurrencies. We're talking Bitcoin. And more importantly, we're talking blockchain chain uh you're gonna you're gonna learn something so please pay the price listen to a few commercials and we'll get right back to you don't go anywhere there's more great show after this you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto There you go. If I were to run a commercial for Bitcoin, that would be it. I'd buy the song, but that song is now at 18 years old. Probably get it cheaper or three doors down. Yes, it's hi-fi radio. I like talk about music every now and then, but it's really a show about money. No, I don't want to do the top five at five. It's going to be fun, but it's not going to happen. Uh, we got Michael Graham in New York. Uh, went through a very good presentation uh, uh, Momentum 2020 is what we called it. It was a Canaccord pre- uh, uh, conference, and uh, some of our top analysts spoke and educated us, and uh, Michael Graham spoke about blockchain and about cryptocurrency. It's funny because they, they were always uh, intertwined, uh, but uh, I never was a big believer in cryptocurrency uh, as much as I am very intrigued by uh, blockchain and its abilities uh, to better society. Um, so we're going to talk about both. Uh, but, sorry, Jack, you had a question you wanted to throw, throw to Michael first of all in terms of uh, crypto assets. Yeah, well, you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Bitcoin was 20,000 uh, in 
in December. Uh, and then, now and then it just does that. It, then oh! it just, you're like, sound effects by Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's trading, you know, uh, 7,000 in and around that range anyways. Um, so is it still economical to, to mine these Bitcoin? Because there's obviously a lot of energy uh, involved in it, Michael. We had a student, by the way, as a summer student, uh, uh, ripping off his, well, he wasn't ripping off his landlord. He was just following his tenant act. But he, he was running uh, multiple computers, Michael, uh, mining Bitcoins. And every, I guess, month or so, he'd make a few hundred buck and well the hydro bill was through the roof but he didn't have to pay it uh, so our, guy, our, our kids millennials uh still mining uh coins i guess is what Jack but, but, but it, yeah, and and it's, it's, it's economical yeah and in traditional co- commodities that that usually is the, the basing out price where it's no longer economical then obviously supply is reduced to a point where uh there's no more mining and then demand catches up and then right. obviously prices start to rise yeah, you saw that in gold mining uh, the, the cost of energy is is, is is ginormous in terms of an ounce of gold being produced so it's the uh, same thing with crypto assets eh, mike is, is is it economical to, to mine the puppies yeah i mean so yeah to, and to level set you know the, the the way the bitcoin network works is that um it, it it's composed of a bunch of computers which are called miners and those miners verify the transactions they basically say okay yes i agree that wolfgang the Wolfgang sent the Bitcoin to Jack, and we all agree on that, and so therefore that transaction, you know, is allowed to go ahead and get uh, recorded in the blockchain forever. And um, the process of doing that becomes more difficult over time, uh, and as a result of that, these miners have to use a lot of electricity, and that electricity becomes their major input cost. Um, you know, and so what we see is as the price of Bitcoin goes up, we see more miners coming onto the network, and that drives the difficulty h- higher and that drives the cost higher. Um, right now, you know, we believe that um, in, the, in the really low power regions, like in Northwest Canada, for example, um, where there's, there's very inexpensive and reliable power, that um, Bitcoin miners can break even uh, on around, you know, two or three thousand uh, dollar Bitcoin. Um, so it's still, you know, even huh. today, you know, quite profitable for them. Um, you know, there are many Bitcoin miners that operate in areas with power costs that are twice as much, and they're probably right at the break-even level, you know. And so, um, but, but, you know, we'll just have to see how this goes. If, if Bitcoin has another price rally, it's almost definitely going to drive the cost of mining higher, and then there will be, you know, um, but, but it's also going to drive, the, the, obviously, the, 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 the reward higher, too, because you're getting rewarded with more valuable Bitcoin. So, it's something we have to keep an eye on, but um, it's definitely an important consideration. Yeah. Well, you know, again, the other point to it is, and it's a very valid point, because the, the more time I spend with um, uh, crypto assets, the more I can sort of buy into the story as a hedge, as an alternative asset, uh, as a non-correlated asset. And, you know, weird words I just threw out there, but basically we want to manage risk and uh, everything doesn't go up at the same time. Uh, so diversity helps. Diversity by asset class means some stocks, some bonds, some cash, some real estate, an insurance policy, a good spouse, good investment, uh, bad spouse, bad investment. <laughs> yeah, but uh, crypto assets, uh, they, do you think they're real alternative assets here, Michael? I really do. You know, I, I, uh, my opinion is that Bitcoin is, is, is a binary sort of set of outcomes. It's either going to be worth, um, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars one day because a lot of global citizens are going to adopt it, uh, or it's going to be worth, you know, next to nothing because nobody's going to adopt it. And I feel like um, every day that we go by that Bitcoin, you know, maintains a price, you know, in the multiple thousands of dollars, and every day that goes by that incrementally a few more, you know, uh, citizens are using it either as a store value or as a payment solution. I think the chance that it goes to zero goes way down. 
Um, so I'm I'm a believer that Bitcoin, you know, has a, has a role on the global fin- uh, financial landscape. Now let's talk about something else that, that I think is very more. This this I think more relevant, uh, and that is blockchain. Uh, blockchain is powerful because it is able to do a lot of different things for us, and ultimately with 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 net benefits. So can you please tell us what can blockchain do of a benefit to society, and who's using it uh, to any significant scale? Yeah, I mean the fundamental thing about blockchain uh, technology, Wolfgang, is that it allows um, it allows networks to operate without needing a central authority to verify, um, you know, that a transaction has taken place. And you know, one of the best examples to think about that the listeners can probably relate to is stock settlement, right? Like right now, if you buy a share of stock, uh, there's a T plus three settlement that takes a while for the share certificate. I'm gonna correct you. It's T plus. It's T plus two now, eh? Is it T plus two in America or T plus? Two? It, it's in both. Yeah, in both. Yeah, T plus two, Michael. So we got. So we got slightly faster. You're correct. It was T plus three forever. You're right. In my, I've been in business now 17 years. So for 16 of those years, it's T plus three. But now, yeah, we we saved it a T plus two. But so your point is with blockchain. With blockchain, it's T plus zero. It's like it happens instantaneously, yeah. and everybody believes it. You know. So that's like one example. But there are lots of other um, examples of of large companies that are trying to. Uh, gain efficiency in large-scale, um, you know, transactional systems by using blockchain technology. I, I think a lot of it is still in the early phases of implementation, but a few examples, um, like Amazon is using um, blockchain technology to help AWS customers speed up deployments. Um, Walmart is, is using blockchain in a big project to um, tackle food safety in its, uh, in its supply chain. Um, IBM is also taking the same uh, technology framework and using it with customers like Tyson and Driscoll's and Nestle and Kroger and Dole Foods to do the same thing and sort of help everybody understand what's going on in the food supply chain. Um, Cargill is a big one. It's using blockchain to track um, to track uh, uh, its products, uh, its food, uh, poultry products. Yep, as they move throughout. I, I, like, I think that, that those big food companies, um, this cargo, and there's one other one. They basically control, I think, eighty or ninety percent of, of, of all like cargo. But is it just poultry? Is it poultry and beef? Well, it's grains yeah. as well. Uh, grains as well, they, but they're, they're, they're massive, huge. massive, massive. Uh, yeah, they have a lot of influence over us. They really do. They control what we eat. Uh, having that monitored is very, very important. And the way it used to be monitored was very archaic and slow, was it not, Michael? Uh, yeah. Like if, you, I mean, if they had a problem in the food supply chain, to discover where the problem originated and get and, and get reports back and forth would take days. And you'd have to you'd have to quarantine vast amounts of food, you know, that got shipped, you know, from a particular area. Um, over you know a multi multi day period, and so it's a real benefit in terms of cost and a real benefit in terms of uh, food safety and public safety. Um, and one more implementation that's really cool is uh, Spotify is is um, is considering using uh, Ethereum and its blockchain technology to create a better way to pay royalties to artists in real time rather than going through you know some of the centralized royalty. Uh, 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 yeah, Korean, yeah, Korean the likes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a good one, and, and that, that's and, and you know, Canaccord put out a great report as well about the recording music industry, and 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 music sales are now at an all-time high thanks to streaming. And of course, at the end of the day, those artists need to get paid. Content is king, and they need to get paid. They're not selling us pieces of plastic anymore, but music continues to be very, very relevant. Michael Graham, uh, an absolute pleasure, live from New York, uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and uh, well. Perhaps cannabis one day too, eh? Uh, I want to thank you very kindly. You are the best. Uh, coming up next, we are going to speak with 
Demi Schalkes. Yes, she is a race car driver and uh, semi-pro. It's very, very exciting. Uh, scary stuff and exciting stuff. Uh, Hank, tuned to Hi-Fi Radio, and we'll talk about the world of auto racing right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, I guess I gotta talk. First, I want to hear that song. It's such a cool song. <laughs> yes, so we have uh, Demi Shalkes in the studio. Uh, Demi is uh, of Greek descent. I say that because I asked her, what is <laughs> <laughs> Greek descent? I said, you can't be, you cut 80% of your last name off. You're, you're missing, no, you're not just missing vowels, you're missing full syllables. <laughs> Opelopelopolis must be on the back of that name. But, and, and I asked you if you went to um, uh, Taste the Danforth. And you yes. said? Well, half my family was working it, but. <laughs> <laughs> half um. your family was working it. With all that traffic, the way you want to drive, you couldn't drive down. They'll drive no, you nuts. Like, no, no. Toronto driving drives me mental, to oh, be honest oh, with it you. It does, does it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, you know, see some, you know I, I do a radio show at the end of the day, and I have to sometimes get home. Well, I have to get home to do the radio show from my little studio. And I swear I had to drive on the sidewalk two days ago. Oh, yeah. the parking, <laughs> getting out of my parking lot took me 20 minutes. I was stressing. I said, I'm going to break the law. I hope a cop doesn't see me. I'm and always so tempted, but my cars are too low. Hey, you know, so they may tell you something. So you, you, you're, you're a semi-pro race car driver, but uh, I was in Berlin last summer, and they had the uh, e pre okay. taking place yeah. there, sponsored by BMW. And I see that you uh, you are driving actually a BMW E36. Is that an electric car? It is not electric, oh, no. Because no, no, no. they, they had the first electric car race uh, yeah. in Berlin, and I think and last summer I think that would be very, very, very cool. Yeah, you know, electric cars, it's interesting. They have a lot of torque, and um, it's it's kind of the way the automotive world is going towards the electronic, um, the electric cars. Um, but for me, it takes away from, like, the sound of the car, and I feel like that's half the battle when you're getting a car. Okay, it's you, the I, sound I, of the car. I interrupt you, but you, yeah. as a pedestrian, as a citizen of Toronto, yeah. these, these <laughs> millennials, these millennials are making their cars sound so loud. Like, yeah. It's a I don't need that. Gets they, the heart going. Well, no, besides that's going. a test, and then get this kid with the pipes and the, the backfire. You know, backfire. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> like I said, it, it just it makes the car. So when you're a car enthusiast, it's not just about the drive of the car. It's how it makes you feel. And I bet you, anybody, when you when you talk to a car enthusiast and you go, what do you love about your car? And they're like, oh, man, as soon as I start that thing up, that rumble just gets the inside of you shaking, gets your heart going. And um, it's all your it's all your senses with the car. And so the sound, I mean, doing a full exhaust on on a car is usually my first mod so <laughs> gotta make it sound nice gotta know that you're coming <laughs> that, that's funny because the first time we went to the races we went up to barry uh most board barry i think it is um last year and i was surprised that everyone had the hearing protection on and i'm like what's going on here <laughs> they, they actually handed out the races and yeah i found out pretty quick why you had it yeah it unbelievable yeah. yeah it's it's incredible when the cars are, are going past you it's uh it can be deafening sometimes, for sure. So the E-Pre, I wonder what they do. Have some uh, have some stereo going in the background with some noises or something? Usually, that, yeah. That's, that's yeah. interesting. That's very, very interesting. Um, but Demi, you know, it says here you, you, you're, you're thinking of becoming a doctor. Yes. Okay, so to go from becoming a doctor to <laughs> being a female 
car racer, which is yes. a, that's very relevant. Being female, this is massively relevant. And and again, Jack is more of a motorhead than I am. Um, <laughs> a lot more, in fact. Which means I've watched one race. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so Jack was educating me on on was it NASCAR? Yeah. So fill me in on NASCAR and, 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 and the testosterone in it. And I, who's that girl? It, it wasn't um, Pinky Tustadero. No, no, it was uh, Demi. No, not Demi. That's, that's our, our, De- De- Dan- Danica, Danica Patrick. Patrick. Danica Patrick. Yeah, yes. I, I, I don't know Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> I was right? just saying the, how, how good she is for, for NASCAR, but I think the NASCAR mm-hmm. drivers that she's competing with, I don't know if they're jealous or not, but they you know they don't want to see her up on the podium every every week. That's for sure. So if she gets to the, the front of the race, it seems like they sort of rub her out into the, uh, into the walls. Absolutely, yeah. I've experienced that as well, where I got kind of banged around the track and tossed around and um, it, it's more so an ego thing but you just have to put your head down work hard focus on your driving and demand your respect as a female at the race car like at the racetrack that's the number one thing you got to come in knowing that you have to be mentally tough you're entering a male dominated atmosphere environment and you know that especially with racing racers are a different type of breed of human period like they're they're animals and uh when you're at the track the testosterone the 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 hype the everything and so when you're going in there a female you know what i mean they don't want to see you beat them by any means especially uh, this season i won almost every single race i made top step um every almost every weekend and um it's it's incredible you feel it you you see it you hear it you and you feel it on the track and you know you're being pressured so i a couple summers ago went to uh a smash up derby. Oh yeah! <laughs> in, 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 in the bustling town of Kinmount, <laughs> right? the best in the summer, yeah. Kin, the Kinmount Fair, and of course the smash up derbies around ten o'clock at night. I swore I saw bubbles there, uh, <laughs> and, and, and a whole lot of them. Um, but there, there was a few, and so people basically take the, they take their junkers, they take the gas tank yep. out, they put a separate gas tank in, they reinforce it, and very male dominated um, hillbilly activity. Absolutely. I love hillbilly activity. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, can't wait for next year. But the, the, there was a female entered, and she yeah. had this pink car, and it was called PMS. It frightened me. That is it was brilliant. Okay. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you know she can relate. In fact, we're going to have to get PMS yeah. on the show. I think at yeah. some point. Uh, but this it, is a scary, scary, scary career that you're trying to build here, Demi. Uh, you know what? For people that are outside of the sport, I think uh, the fear of racing seems a little bit more scarier than, than what it actually is. Um, I feel quite safe in my race car. I actually feel a little less safe when I'm on the streets uh, r- driving normally. Oh, yeah. Because, no, no, yeah, no, I, yeah I, I, I get that. Are you kidding? In Toronto? Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> It's, oh, yeah. Like I've had some, uh, you know, I've had some scary times out on the racetrack, but it, it's incredible when you're zoned into to race mode, you're, you're, you're calm. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, very common in the race car and you're so you're harnessed in, you have a five point harness in, you have your neck brace, you have your helmet, you have a roll cage and you're, you know what I mean? So you, you're a fire resistant suit on and all your protection and, and I don't feel, I don't feel scared. Yeah, no, the, the cars are wild. Jack and I saw one in front of the studio, but a month ago you took a picture of it, eh, Jack? I think that was and, for the Indy, yeah. It was for yeah. the Indy and my God, that cockpit is yeah. so tight. Everything's stripped out of the car. At, uh, oh, you know, yes. You're pretty wild when you take a look at the and technology. And the steering wheel's like six, six but inches from steering, your chest. The steering wheel <laughs> comes off, right? It comes right up. Yeah. You it go does, in yes. and then they put the steering wheel yeah. back on with a little, with a little clippy clip. And I'm like, yeah. God, you're <laughs> with a little clippy clip. A little clippy clip. He's gonna call that. No, no, that's a cotter pin, Wolf. Yeah. All right, cotter pin. Talking the, the, about noise in Toronto, though, that Honda Indy is just like zooming. Oh, I live yes. near the lakeshore, so I need. Oh yeah. yeah, we need yeah, the E-Pri in Toronto. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh, what a better way to wake up than the sound of race cars. I love it. All right. Well, this is Hi-Fi Radio, the sound of music. Uh, Demi Chalkis is in studio. Rachel, why not? Of course, is sitting right beside her. She's chomping to chat. And, well, we're gonna keep, we're, we're, <laughs> I'm ready. ready. I'm ready We're, we're, we're going to keep her for last. <laughs> she's going to be a millennial expert. The freedom, Best for last. Freedom finder. <laughs> but uh, more about race car driving. I'm getting very excited talking to Debbie Chalkis. So uh, please stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I never thought we'd have Spice Girls on the show, Wolf. I don't know I why I just say that. I, I gotta I, I say just, that. I just felt it. It wasn't just intuitive. I felt it. Uh, it's a well, it's, it's going very well. It's done. Uh, <laughs> it is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein. Jack Harlow, my wingman, is in the studio. And we got some wonderful guests. We got Rachel Wynott. Freedom Finder, Freedom Fighter, Freedom, Freedom for All. Founder, founder Freedom. Founder, founder, get <laughs> this is not even your segment, but I'm giving uh, a little, little segue here. But um, no, we got Debbie Chalkis in studio. She is a race car driver, a 25-year-old female race car driver, semi-pro. Um, so I want to talk to Deb, or Demi about the business aspect of her career. Jack, being the motorhead, wants to talk about the crash. And Jack says, Wolf, when you watch NASCAR, it's all about the crash. All right? It's all about the crash. It goes on for a long time, so you just wait for pit stops and crashes. Or you just watch the beginning and end. I mean, it's funny you said that because the stock market, the stock market, the most important activity in the stock market occurs from 9.30 to about 9.45 and from about 3.30 to 3.50. Because You know what, why? Because they set the levels for the day. Right. And, and then a lot of people don't want to carry their positions overnight or they do, depending on the news. It's very interesting. So, so yeah. the, I know a friend of mine is, is not really a big basketball fan. And he says the same thing with basketball. You watch the beginning and the end. Uh, now, of course, if Demi was racing a car, I'd watch the whole thing. I'd be cheering <laughs> her on. You know, because, well, she, she's, she's a hi-fi radio guest. She would deserve that. And maybe put a little Wolf on Bay Street logo on her little bumper and be kind of cool. Um, but, uh, so, okay, so for, for Jack's sake, let's talk about the big crash that uh, you have endured in your career and how it changed, because uh, uh, you're, you're, you're going quick. And uh, yeah. I read the piece that you, you're about to hit, the, hit a cement wall and you intuitively took your hands off the steering wheel for fear of breaking your wrist. And I, yes, I almost puked when I read that. That's, that's yeah. freaky. <laughs> that's actually something that they teach you. Um, so... When you're getting your racing license, there's a schooling that you have to go through um, on track testing and in-class testing. It's a, it's a pretty, um, I'd say, hefty process that you have to go through. So in part of our training, they teach us if your car's on fire, how quick te- can you get out? If you're about to hit a wall, how do you react to that? So I was doing a three-hour endurance race, and this happened last year in May. And um, we had proper tires for the weather that they were calling for and then about 15 minutes before the race uh skies opened up and we had to scramble and find different tires to race with so um anyways the race started and we showed up to grid late so i started last and within i'd say about 15 minutes 20 minutes into the race i swiftly moved my way up to second and about an hour into the race i felt i'm like oh man i'm like these tires are not going to hold up for the next two hours so i cooled down for a little bit i paged into the team and i said hey guys these tires are not doing it like i'm dancing through all corners and they said okay demi cool down for a couple of laps and then once you start feeling grip with the car start applying more speed and so i slowed down for a couple of laps and of course everybody's catching me this and that and i'm like come on let me find the grip let me find the grip so the first lap when i was coming down corner one at mossport 
I was like, okay, okay, I feel grip, I feel grip. And then coming into corner two, um, anybody who knows Mossport will know what I'm talking about. There's a little hump that you hit. Your car goes unsettled, you settle it down, you're back on throttle, and you, you continue down the corner. But when my car settled off this hump, it didn't settle the way it should, and I knew something was wrong right away. And so my car, unfortunately, was essentially on hockey pucks and was just skating towards the wall. And um, I tried a couple maneuvers to try and swing the back end out or throttle steer the back end out to save it, but um, nothing was working. And within milliseconds, like you don't have much time to react. You try one thing and if that doesn't work, then, you know, well, there was your chance. Yeah, exactly. So um, I was heading straight towards the wall. And the second that I knew I was done for, I let go of the steering wheel because they teach you if you hold onto the steering wheel and you hit with that force, crack both your wrists can, wow. can snap like that. Wow. Yeah, so Ouch. I let go of the steering wheel, um, applied the brakes as hard as I could to reduce the force as much as I could, and I was just there for the ride. So I, w- I do about 170 kilometers down that, uh, like around that corner, and um, I'd say I'd probably hit at least doing 90, 92 to 100 kilometers into that wall, and um, hit it, and I hit with so much force that the car actually flipped over, and um, I was dangling upside down in the car, and I wiggled my fingers, wiggled my toes. I said, okay, I'm alive. Now I got to get out. But unfortunately, with the damages that um, the car had got throughout the ac- through the accident, um, it actually trapped me in. My, my window net wasn't coming out, and my engine was in thick white smoke about to catch fire. So um, I had to maneuver my way out. Obviously, help was coming, but it feels like a lifetime when you're waiting for help and you're, you're stuck in a race car that's about to ignite. <laughs> so I unharnessed myself, and I kicked myself over the, the steering wheel and the dash, and I was able to army crawl my way out one of the busted windows. And as soon as my hand had made it out of the car, it was in a puddle of just fluids from the engine and broken glass. And that's when help came and they pulled me out the window. Wow. All right, yeah. Demi, Demi, you're good. <laughs> Demi, you're good. Means, you know, you're not getting the big X, eh? America's Got Talent. That's <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you're wow. coming back. They voted for you. You're coming back, Demi. Absolutely. All right. You. you get the lead there, kid. Uh, Rachel. Well, Rachel. Yeah, okay. Uh, Hi, my radio. You know what? The best part about it is she's still racing. She yeah. got back in, she got yeah. back yeah. in the no, car no, and she's no, still I racing. Find out, I want to yeah. find out the net benefit, what this did for you. So, like, let's pay some yeah, bills around sure. here because yeah. there is a benefit. This, this, this matured you as a driver. Oh, definitely. As a person. Uh, and we still got to talk about the money of your business. Okay. Course, so, let's yeah, get back to Demi Chalkis, Rachel Wynott, Jack Hartle, Wolfgang Klein, Hi Fi Radio, right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yes, indeed. Well, we have Rachel Wynott in the studio. She is a uh, uh, entrepreneurial coach. And we have uh, Demi Chalkis in studio, and she's a race car driver. Uh, we met Demi through her public relations brand strategist, Nikki, watch us, Papa Iano. <laughs> Papa Iano. Is that, is that it? Eh? It's a good effort. Eh? And, 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 and I guess you're, you're not German. I know that. So I'm going to assume, uh, yeah, great, great. Okay. We have the taste of that forth. 
Yeah, we, no, we, we, we had their publicists on air and uh, we, we did a good job promoting Taste of Danforth and as such, because the publicists were on Hi-Fi Radio, they had record attendance. It was, oh, wow. it was, it was a worldwide success for them. Great. So. Yep, we didn't get the Slovakia on the Monday, but that was okay. <laughs> uh, so thank you for bringing us, uh, Demi, uh, Nikki. Uh, you're obviously a very, very good uh, publicist, and I look forward to uh, having more of your peeps on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, exciting stuff. Jack and I get the boring stuff, and then and comes Rachel Wynott, who hooks us up with Nikki. And uh, it's just one big cross-pollination. It's we beautiful. bring the ladies. We love it. The ladies we love in the it. house. But I, I never expected to bring a, a lady race car driver, and such a young lady, 25-year-old race car driver. But so you, you want to become a doctor. Yes. And, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend becoming a doctor in Canada because it's not a great career. You have to work hard. You don't really get paid. You're not even guaranteed a job coming out of school. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend becoming a race car driver either, mind you. So how do you make money going around a track? Yeah, so... Or do you come from a very rich family? Because I, I know that's no. what happened. There are people in the circuit. I know this from my business of being in the money business. I had a friend broker mm-hmm. who would get a call every month and hundreds of thousands of dollars would be going out of that account because it was third generation money. It was old mm-hmm. money and there was more of it than knew what to do with. So mm-hmm. one of the sons said, I'm not going to go to school. I can become a race car driver. You travel America with a fleet of gear and people yeah. and, and crew and spent large, large, yeah. large. Yeah. So, so you, you know what I'm talking about? Because yeah, you're competing against those... There's there's Guys. a lot of you're, you're racers. You're real. I see you're you're real. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, so there's a lot of racers that come from wealthy families, and you know it just gets wiped under their family company, or you know dad will cut the paycheck and so forth. But um, I, I started off very in a very humble fashion. I worked two jobs to save up for my first race car, and um, I, I worked my way up that way. And um, I'm grateful for that process. I'm happy that that was my way because you're just so appreciative of everything that comes your way and, and you understand all aspects of racing so I had to not only you know work on my car while I was at the race car do my own tire changes torque the wheels pressure oil do everything on my own um, I was also you know hopping into the car and then going and racing and then I was the one that was marketing myself doing my my sponsorship so it gives you a great um, you're very well-rounded when you when you kind of start from the ground up and work your way so I'm very appreciative of my of my beginning in racing mm-hmm. um, to add to how do you make money in racing it's funny there's a saying you have to be to be a millionaire race car driver you have to be a billionaire you you need to <laughs> yeah. uh, i heard the saying if That's you want to make a fortune give me a, give me a fortune give me a large fortune i'll make you a small fortune exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so racing um is the most expensive sport but how you win is you win, or how you make money is you win you get sponsorships on board you get endorsements it's that's the only way you can kind of network your money and make it into a business. You become your own brand. We talked about Danica, Danica Patrick, and she's certainly, although they don't like her, I guess, on the circuit, the, the guys on the circuit, mm-hmm. I think she's very good for NASCAR because it brings in a whole new demographic. It brings in a whole new set of advertisers. Absolutely. Um, and she's very good for the sport just because yeah. it gets yeah, more eyeballs on the screen. Let's yeah. talk dollars sure. and cents here. Sure. To, to operate your business, what mm-hmm. are your, I'm going to call them operating expenses, because that's what sure. this is, a business, an income statement, a balance sheet with your business. Absolutely. Um, are you incorporated? Not yet. Sole proprietor. But yeah. Okay. Sole yeah. proprietor, little car. And yeah. So uh, how much do you, have you spent in, in the sport, or do you spend oh. a year a car's oh. tires? <laughs> Forget about the premium yeah. gasoline. That's a given. Yeah. Um, so for example, for the series that I'm going to be uh, moving into, it's it's half a million dollars to run the season. Um, fully, and that includes uh, your car, your team, getting everybody paid for, like all the expenses, traveling expenses, and um, it, and then it's, that's just one car, like assuming no crashes. I- 
Yeah, yeah, that's Again with the crashes, Jack. Yeah, um, well, it yeah. happens. It's part of racing. No, but right? it is part of racing. And unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the contracts um, they won't cover you for all of your 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 crash damages. And so, a lot of racers they. Um, you know they'll encounter an accident. And it's like, oh no, that money has now got to come come from somewhere. So right? so so, so mm-hmm. you're, you're half million bucks. Uh, yeah. You don't you don't look like a multimillionaire to me. <laughs> uh, and, as su- and as such, where's the money coming from? Yes, sponsorships. Sponsorships. So you're, you're, yeah. you're, so you're, you're raising a half million bucks through sponsorship for my next my next series that I'll be racing in. That's so, so, what uh, I will uh, need to acquire. But currently, how far are you? Are you are you there? I'm almost there. And, and so, yeah. who are the? Let's plug a few of your sponsors. Who's who's helping you out? Because that that matters. Exactly. So right now, I have Grassroots Performance on my side. Uh, JRP, they're Canada's largest warehouse for performance parts. Um, Tip Top Auto. Collision, um, Stark, uh, No Limits International. Um, yeah, those are uh, the the major the major sponsors right now that I have on board. Well, good for you. Good for mm-hmm. you. It's important stuff because you got to take care of them. And uh, obviously, as your career unfolds, uh, you're going to require more capital. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. As you scale, how, how long do you think you can uh, be a race car driver? Like again, you know, yeah. athletes, athletes have perhaps three to ten year career lives. It, it will be for the rest of my life. It's something that I eat, sleep, breathe, live, dream by. Um, it's embedded into my family as well. And um, I mean, I, I just recently raced against a, a gentleman. Uh, his name was Ahmad, and he's 80 years old. So as long wow. as you're, yeah, as long as you're you're still with it and you can operate a car, you can race. It might not be at the highest level, but you can still do grassroots racing and so forth. So racing is something that I plan on doing for the rest of my life. And and who won that race? You were the eighty year old. <laughs> we were in different classes, but I ended up winning that race. <laughs> uh, like, uh, Demi, honestly, an absolute pleasure to have you in studio. Nikki, thank, thank you. Nikki, thank Nikki, thank you for bringing uh, Demi in. Uh, Demi Shelkis, uh, watch for it. Mossport and uh, what, do you have a website? Yes, I do. So uh, we just launched my website. It's www.iamdemic.com. You guys can go check it out. Sign up for my fan club, and I'll be giving updates on all my racing schedules, um, all new content and keeping you guys in the loop with my racing career. All right, I, I may take you up on that. Come and see you in the pits. And you can, please do. I'm coming. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, here's another entrepreneur coming back on air. She, she, she gets it this one here. Uh, Rachel, why not? Uh, founder of Freedom, CEO. She also is a co-founder of Iris Blue. Uh, barely 30, second career. And I'll tell you that she's smart because she doesn't need a half million bucks to start a business. No, <laughs> just an idea. And then she runs oh, yeah. with it. She, oh, yeah, yeah, she just oh, yeah. runs with it. Uh, so Hi-Fi Radio shall be back with Rachel Wynott, founder of Freedom, right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Come on. There you go. No second best on Hi-Fi Radio. No, no. Rachel, why not in the studio? Hello. Uh, <laughs> I'm back. I'm back, back guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, business coach. This is my coach, second home now. Second home. Business coach, <laughs> entrepreneur extraordinaire. You got your own publicist, Nikki Papayano. I do. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, here we are, uh, Rachel. So, uh, educate us. What do you want to share with the audience on High Fire Radio? How are you going to make us some money? Well, and more importantly, I want to talk to you uh, back end of this year, being a millennial yourself. 
Um, are you doing some of the basics, i.e., that you're supposed to be doing? Uh, RSPs, like boring stuff, mm-hmm. boring you here, old school stuff, stuff your parents told you to do. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, you, do you get involved in that? So let's talk about the front end and the back end. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to, when Demi was speaking, I was, it was interesting because it's all about when you're starting a business and as she's starting a, a business in the race car industry, any industry, really, it's all about personal branding. And that for me is the foundation um, as an entrepreneur, just kind of starting out, that's the foundation because people need to know who you are. Um, People buy people, not products. So we need to create that brand and that personal brand, that connection, right? When you have um, sponsors or even customers buying your products and services, they need to trust you, they need to know you, um, and then they'll buy from you, right? So, I mean, definitely it's all about personal branding and... uh, you know, that's uh, that's a inv- great investment to your business and a good foundation. It, it's, it's an amazing investment. It is yeah. a true long-term investment. Yes. Um, so look, long-term investing, RSPs. Um, Rachel, being a 30-year-old and you, and you do with her, and I say that this is important because I came across a 31-year-old two days ago, I had lunch with her. Mm. And... It, I uh, I empathize. Uh, to, I almost sympathize. Um, but I say, you know, stand back and say, well, it's the way it is. Um, and so here's her situation. She's 31 years old. Uh, she bought a house up at Weston Road in Major McKenzie. In fact, she bought a townhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, $750,000 for a townhouse. Uh, she's carrying just under a $600,000 mortgage. Uh, she makes right. seventy grand. Husband makes sixty grand. Um, and they're thinking about having their first child. She's about to turn 32. Yeah. And uh, she has a bit of money in the bank. Says, "What should I do?" And I said to her, "Well, first and foremost, what is your biggest expense?" And she said, "Well, my mortgage." I said, "It's not. It's the government. It's your taxes." That's true. Yeah. And so I said, true. "You have to put money in RSP." She said, "Well, I put money in RSP. I can't touch it, and I can't. I got to take it out." And I, it's long term. And I said, "But you need an RSP." What about my house? I said, "Well, you need that too." And so I said, "You have to create these silos of business or silos of money. You have to have a house to live in and yeah. work on paying it off." And your de- demographic are saddled with such large mortgages that many of them don't even believe they ever can have it paid off. But they said the same thing to my parents when they bought their first home in Toronto back in the 50s. I kid you not, your mortgage is too big, you'll never pay it off. And they did in 12 years. Right. Uh, I don't know if you can pay, pay off a $600,000 mortgage. But that's that's right. So silo, silo number one, your house. But silo number two, manage your taxes. Uh, and as such, you must put money into an RSP. Seems like a foreign concept to her. So I want to ask you, the, the, the notion of an RSP and all of your freedom-finding and thinking of 30 years is that possible for, for millennials and possible for Rachel why not yeah I mean for me personally when it comes to investing um, what I do I mean I own a business right so well, you own two businesses I own two businesses that's correct yep. so for me I mean um, my net profits that come out of that business obviously I have to invest number one back into the business mm-hmm. you know at least 50% is kind of my go-to then I have my disposable income, right? So what am I going to do with that? Okay, well, obviously part of my brand is about living freely. So I want to travel. I want to go to the movies. I want to live life, you know, enjoy with family, of course. Then I set aside for that long-term investment, right? Rather that stocks, RSP, um, TF. Do, do, do yeah. you put money in RSP, Rachel? I do, yeah. Have you maxed out your RSP? Yeah, last year, yeah. You, you have maxed it out, good for you. Cause yeah. did, so did much... you just max it out for that year or have you maxed it out for all previous years? Uh, la- no, just for that year. So you have, okay. unused, you have unused room. Yep, now again, you, you are different because, and again, the same with Demi, you have your own company. And when mm-hmm. you have your own company, you can manage your expenses, you can manage your T4 and hence manage right. your tax is owed. So you, you are an exception and that's one of the benefits of being an entrepreneur. You have more choice available to you. I'm, I'm an that's entrepreneur, correct, but yeah. I have a T4 slip. So when I make a dollar, the government takes 50 
55 cents away from me. Yeah. And I, I can't avoid that. I must max out my RSP, which is like most Canadians out there. So it's very, very important. Yeah. As but an entrepreneur, other- you have different options. You have a little bit of more of a playroom, right? Like I like to call it. So, but you have to be wise in that decision. And you know what? I have advisors that help me out on the money side as well. I mean, I'm creative. As entrepreneurs, we're very creative and we don't, a lot of us don't, aren't on the money side. You know what I mean? So we have to be strategic with that. And I would definitely recommend, you know, getting a money advisor on your side to make sure you're you're playing with that money the right way, right? Yeah, everything's aligned. But, you know, the the business people that do come to us, Wolf, we do say to them, you know what, your business typically is your best investment. You you yourself, invest in yourself and invest in your business because you are going to get the highest return on those investments. Oh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely right. Uh, But that said, uh, unfortunately, with your own company, you can't uh, use, uh, you can't put that for an RESP. So when you have kids, get an RESP, same, get some life insurance, Wills, multiple wills, perhaps one for yep. the business, one yes. for personal. Yep. Uh, surround yourself with experts, and uh, that's exactly what you do. I agree, um, Rachel. We're out of time, but you know what that means? We're going to bring you back. Okay, <laughs> I, I feel I feel bad. Uh, oh, don't I, feel I, bad. I, I do feel bad because you, you have so much energy, <laughs> and, and our listeners love you. The phone's ringing off the. I'll hook. come back, uh, and why not? Right? Why not? <laughs> Rachel, why not? Um, uh, quickly, uh, you're a business uh, uh, coach. Uh, quick plug for that business, real quick. Yeah, so it's Founder Freedom, and my business in marketing success coach for entrepreneurs. So we create online businesses with passive income streams. Um, so we do some really cool stuff. So check Probably, it out, rachelwhynot.com. I, I, I bet you a lot of your clients are starting to work with Shopify too, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I actually have a client that's um, an Etsy coach too, which is kind of interesting. She teaches entrepreneurs how to start an Etsy shop and also Shopify, kind of start those shops. So Etsy, I eh? coach... Other coaches as well is part of my business too. So I don't. I don't have time to cool. ask you what an Etsy coach is, but I used to play Yahtzee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends, a show about money. Jack Hartle, my wingman, here for the cause each and every week, as am I. And we try to bring in some very, very dynamic guests, teach you about money, teach you about managing money. One day we're going to have to bring in some of the people from Lifestyle Rich and Famous how to spend money. But you know something? We really don't need a whole lot of exercise and, and lessons in terms of spending money. So but, eh, maybe, maybe one day. Wish you all a great weekend. Speak to you next week. Thank you. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.